Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 202, coming to you on 1-2 of the space year 2019. How are you doing today? Did everybody have a good and happy new year? Did you get what you wanted when you asked the new year goblins to bring you toys and goodies and cakes and hangovers aplenty? No? You didn't know about them? Because clearly you did not drink enough then. Welcome to the show. Uh, we have many a thing to discuss today because there's many a new thing happening over at the website. Firstly and foremostly, uh, we do have the beginnings, two whole episodes of it in fact, of 365 days of the Super Nintendo we have looked at so far this week. Uh, Super Mario World and Super Ghouls and Ghosts, as this will be uh, going up on the 3rd of January, which will be 1-3-2019. We will have a third game coming up. And I suppose I can spoil it for you. Let me go and track it down, because it's here in a list somewhere, and I didn't have it ready. Uh, but I can also tell you, in the meantime, we've got some new Mystery Science Theater happening. We've got some new stuff from me, Super Castlevania 4. That will be the next one we look at. Man, they are so on top of things. Episode 5 includes some copyrighted content, and that's been uploaded. I uploaded all those on the 27th of December. Good job, guys. Uh, so yeah, that'll be there as well. Since last we done spoke, that would have been that day, so that would mean this day. We have the finale of Metal Gear for the MSX and some more Final Fantasy VII from me. Everybody else has been busy doing the holiday thing and the having children thing and having lives outside of the internet thing. And uh, <laughs> that ain't me, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what. I do this for whatever i don't even know um so yeah that's what's going on with that um it'll be any day now i think we'll turn the snow and the fireworks off over at the website and we'll get back on to real life back to reality perhaps i'm looking forward to getting back to a uh, double degree temperatures it didn't get higher than i think seven yesterday and it was zero on the dot when i woke up this morning <coughs> I love this time of year. Don't you? I know my furnace loves it. It's like in training all November and December for January. And then it's like, all right. It's like Rocky montage, man. Ninja action! The stage is set for conspiracy, mystery, and evil in America. Come with Ninja, Ryu, as he takes you on his fateful journey. Tecmo's unique cinema display system develops the story stage by stage. You piece together the puzzle while watching the movie-like graphics. Decide what action to take. Use the secret sword and items collected during the action scenes to fight your way to the goal. 
This is Ninja Gaiden from Tecmo, released in 1989. And that description makes it sound better than it really is. Ninja Gaiden, no get me wrong, is a great game. But, uh... <laughs> you piece together the puzzle? No, you don't. There's not really much to it. And what they do do is kind of like a... Dime Store mystery book. It's like, right at the end, it's like, Aha! It was you the whole time, person we never heard about until right now. And movie-like graphics, yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. But for 1989, they were very good. And decide what action to take. You you go right, you jump, you shoot things. Sometimes you go left, you jump, you shoot things. There's no choose-your-own-adventure here. But Ninja Gaiden is a fantastic game with a fantastic legacy. And I hope you're ready, because the next three weeks, four weeks, including the review, Ninja Gaiden. Lo and behold, we have two total reviews for this game, which is two more than I was anticipating. But the plot thickens. They were both done in July. Roughly two weeks apart, but also two years apart. I don't know if that translates to anything, but it it is a thing indeed. Let's do the short one first, because it's nice and very short. Respectable First Adventure from Sierra, a Mystery House review by T. Hayes. Designed by Ken and Roberta Williams and released in 1980 for the Apple II, Mystery House was the first of Sierra's high-res adventures and was notable for being the first interactive fiction game to feature graphics. The game is a mystery adventure. A group of people have been invited to an old house. As bodies start to appear in the rooms and suspicious notes are left behind, it soon becomes clear that there is a murderer in the group. The aim in the game is to find the murderer and escape with the treasure from the house. The graphics are about as simple as you would expect for being the first graphical adventure. There are about 30 locations in total based inside and outside of the house with a monochrome illustration for each of the locations. 
The graphics for each location were drawn by Roberta on paper, and then a special piece of hardware was used to draw the paper images onto the computer software. The resulting illustrations are adequate, though due to the method that they were designed obviously lack the detail that so many of Sierra's later adventures featured. Like King's Quest V on the NES. Don't believe me? Look it up. That was me saying that. The controls are typical of many early pieces of interactive fiction. One or two word commands are understood, but the game will not understand three or more words. So you could type open door, but not open the door. Look telescope, but not look through telescope. And so on. This can take a while to get used to if you are used to games that, from Infocom, which allow much more extensive commands. The parser in Mystery House is also very strict, and usually only one specific command is allowed for an action, so it can take a little while to figure out how the command should be typed. Much of the difficulty comes from the above-dimensioned strictness of the parser, where even a simple matter such as finding the command to turn the water in the kitchen on can be a lengthy ordeal. As is to be expected from such an early graphic adventure, the puzzles are not very complex, and this makes the game rather easy. That said, the puzzles are well designed and work well in the game. There are 16 inventory items, and though some are red herrings, this is a surprisingly large number of items for such a small adventure. Overall, Mystery House is basic in terms of plot, design, and length, but that can only be expected from the first graphic adventure. There's a reasonable number of puzzles and items, and what's left is a respectable first adventure from Sierra. Reviewers rating, three, fair. Wow, guys, that was, like, proper grammar and everything. Um, I can't say I completely agree. I think Mystery House is kind of crummy in terms of the puzzle and the puzzle solving, but everything else is right, man. Uh, that was very well written. Thanks, Hayes. Moving on, give us something good to do here. Oh, boy. I see math. Um, 1980, the lights keep going out and corpses keep a coming in the first graphic adventure game ever made. A mystery house review by Bloomer. Oh, originally reviewed June 13th. That was probably a Friday. Probably not. Uh, odds are against it. 2001, and then updated January, excuse me, July 26th, 2010. It's January now. Herschel Gordon Lewis retrospectively described his pioneering 1963 splatter film Blood Feast in the following manner. I've often compared it with a Walt Whitman poem. It's no good, but it's the first of its type. <clears throat> now, change subjects, grab a far more positive spin on a similar idea, and cut to 1980. Ken and Roberta Williams' Mystery House for the Apple II was the first graphic adventure game uh, in personal computer history. That is to say that it is the first take to the style of puzzles and two-word command parsers, get apple, kill, troll, which has done the rounds on mainframes in countless forms as adventure at all, and to meld them with a permanent graphic display which depicted the locations you find yourself in, presented here as white line on black background drawings. The Apple II's HGR mode found a well-matched venue with uh, what with its capacity to support a graphic screen of several lines of text beneath. Thus, a strangely prescient feature of the Apple II's hardware became the mainstay of graphic adventure games across all computer platforms as they developed and thrived through the 1980s. In historical terms, consider also that Mystery House was the first game from a company you might have heard of called Sierra Online. They were known as Online Sierra back in 1980, and they followed Mystery House up with such challenging and famous graphic adventures as The Wizard and the Princess and Cranston Manor. 
I have strong memories of being a little kid and sitting there watching my dad play Mystery House and of the awe and scariness I experienced at such great moments as when the lights would go out, dropping the screen into pitch blackness, or when we stumbled across another corpse, or when a dagger was tossed at us from a darkened hallway. So it all began here. A creepy house riddled with secret passages, a hidden treasure we want to find, seven guests, six victims, one killer. As the note you find early in the game says, seven minus six equals one, then I am done. Though if we include ourselves, there are eight players in this adventure. When the game commences, you find yourself in the front yard of an enormous abandoned Victorian house. You go inside, the door is slammed and locked behind you, and in the main hall you meet the roster of seven treasure hunters, Bill the Butcher, Daisy the Cook, Dr. Green the Doctor, or Surgeon, Joe the Gravedigger, Sally the Seamstress, Sam the Mechanic, and Tom the Plumber. You shuffle out of the room for a moment and come back. Hey, everyone's gone. They've split up to hunt for the hidden treasure, which is finders keepers. But we all know what happens to people who split up in situations like this one. They start dying. <coughs> Night is approaching fast. You begin to explore this old mansion, trying to unravel its secrets, but the doors are locked. The windows are boarded up. And before you can say Colonel Mustard in the dining room with the spanner, I had the feeling... By the way, this is written that this was not a American, because who who in America would call it a spanner? That's not even a thing in Clue, is it? A wrench? <clears throat> I haven't played Clue in a long time. You're stumbling over the corpses of other guests who have variously been stabbed, strangled, and bludgeoned to death. The more bodies you find, the fewer folks remain alive who might turn out to be the killer, and clues found on the body, such as strands of colored hair, will further narrow down the range of suspects. Yes, as we all, as well as knowing all the characters' occupations, you're given their hair colorings in the game's introduction. Yep, there's a U in colorings. Eerie messages scrawled on notes which you discover in different rooms suggest that your own death isn't far away. With such a potent story and atmospheric subject material, this game was always going to be a winner. What's quite amazing is how the technical limitations of the graphics only manage to enhance the atmosphere. With percentage sign 90 of each screen filled with black blackness, it feels instantly like nighttime, like creeping gloom. If the first graphic adventure had been set in a very colorful fantasy environment, for instance, I might have been so I might not have been so thrilled with the results, but for a murder mystery, it's a great visual style. I've read that the subject matter came first and that the style was uh, coincidentally a function of technical limitations. The Williamses bought an unwieldy $200 graphics tablet called a VersaWriter, which Roberta used to draw all of the line graphics. Apparently, its main apparatus was as chunky as the base of a desk lamp, but this was the only thing going at the time for Apple and probably state-of-the-art. The line-based display is logically at its most capable, in a realistic sense, when it comes to geometrical features such as a view of a facade of a house or of a hallway extending out of sight with a banister in the foreground. Compare this to the style for the characters, which consist of basic childlike figures with dot and line facial features. It's alternately cute, charming, and creepy in its sparseness. When you come across a corpse, the eyes will typically be depicted as X's, and maybe there's something like a bump on the head with radiating lines around it. 
The text command engine can be very clunky, especially in relation to the graphics. In fact, it can be downright inconsistent or flawed. But of course, I can see these things easily now because decades have passed, and what you're experiencing as retrospective witness in this game is people working out how to make a graphic adventure. They realized that the default view was northwards, it could be difficult to draw features on the southern edge of a room. Thus, some rooms appear from different angles. They're limited to short room descriptions, which will fit in the few available lines, therefore many important interactive features are present only in the graphic display. If you mistake such an object for something else, due to the inadequacy of the basic graphics, you will find yourself unable to interact with it, and methods of move, uh, methods to move between locations cheap keep changing. You must go east into the bathroom, but then find that you need to type go door to get back west. The basic adventure game commands we all know and love are here, north, south, east, west, get, look, and inventory to see what you're carrying. Certain noun-verb pairings are a bit odd in Mystery House, and trying to work out how to do something as simple as turn on a tap can be frustrating, and you need to exploit curious back-to-front commands, like water on. I yelled this out of my own sink today, nothing happened. A similar issue is almost complete lack of synonyms. You generally have to hit each word right on the proverbial head before the game will respond to your ideas. But accepting such features in the pioneering spirit, they don't matter because the merits of the game's puzzles still shine on their own. There are many secrets to be found in the house by pulling, breaking, and otherwise searching your way through the room's furniture. The most important puzzle to solve is how to secure a light source for yourself before night hits, which is quite early in the game. Otherwise, the dreaded black screen descends upon you. There are some funny deaths that you can see coming from 10 miles off. Nevertheless, you're drawn to them like a moth to a flame. Any idiot would know what to expect if they hopped into an open grave while a man whose occupation was gravedigger was standing nearby with a shovel. Similarly, you should not go lighting matches around stoves. A cool, surprising, and maybe even unnerving feature of the game is that you can get involved in the murders yourself. Remember, if anyone else is left alive, they could get the treasure of ahead of you. With the kill command at your disposal, often prompting, often prompting the game to ask with what, and no shortage of potential weapons lying around the house, shovels, knives, sledgehammers, daggers, you can ruthlessly try to assure your ultimate success. One such possible murder is completely gratuitous in the sense that it doesn't help your progress at all in the game, but it might bring a smirk to your face. You don't just have to find the treasure to win, you have to unmask, locate, and deal with the killer and escape with your life. Of course, it's a relatively small adventure game, but, it's exploits, but it exploits its locations very well. The kitchen is exceptionally busy. And it creates a powerful murder mystery atmosphere, manages to be quite quite scary and also has a sense of humor about itself. Finally, it has a good range of puzzles to engage your adventure skills, though it can also torture your ability to conjure up the one verb or noun that will do the trick in a few excruciating cases. Mystery House made a formidable, formidable impression in its day. I remember it being the talk of all the adults, and it was also a formative, image, imaginative, and gaming experience for myself. Clunkiness accepted, it's not a bad game today. To celebrate their 7th anniversary, Sierra released Mystery House into the public domain in 1987. I'd strongly encourage anyone who's interested in adventure games, or even anyone who simply feels curious about having read this review, to grab an Apple II emulator, chase up the freely available disc image for Mystery House, and play the first graphic adventure game that ever existed. Unlike some firsts, it's worthy. Mystery House 8 out of 10. Rating 4.0. Great. Uh, another really well-written review. I just can't read it because uh, I've got a lozenge. 
tucked away in my mouth because uh, I can't really throat got really dry as I started doing reviews today. So, uh, Mystery House. Well, I guess the reviews were good, though. Very good reviews. As is something of a tradition with the news of the weird, uh, the first week of every new year is dedicated to our favorite stories of the previous year. So it's kind of a a year in retrospective, a year in review, uh, as Harry Shearer calls it on his show, a year in rebuke. But uh, we don't have a term for it, so let's just read the news. Mystery solved on January 25th, 2018. <clears throat> 71-year-old Alan J. Abramson of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, went for his regular pre-dawn walk to Starbucks. What happened on the way stumped police investigators until March, reported the Washington Post, and on July 13th, they made their findings public. Images from... Oh, I remember this story. Images from a surveillance camera show Abramson walking out of his community at 5.35 a.m., and about a half hour later, the sound of a gunshot is heard. Just before 7 a.m., a dog found Abrahamson's body laying near a walking path. Police found no weapons, no signs of a struggle. He still had his wallet and phone. Investigators initially worked the case as a homicide, but they dug deeper into the man's computer searches and purchases over the last nine years. A theory developed. Abrahamson had tied a gun to a weather balloon filled with helium, shot himself, and then the gun drifted away to parts unknown. A thin line of blood on Abrahamson's sweatshirt indicated to the police that something with the approximate width of a string passed through the blood on the outside of the shirt. The final report does say... As for the balloon, investigators said it would likely have ascended to about 100,000 feet and exploded somewhere north in the bah- uh, north of the Bahamas in the Atlantic Ocean. That's clever. That's really clever. Like, I mean... That's clever, right? You never read about that in any of the books. <clears throat> People different from us. Metro News reported on February 20th that travelers remained silent for 20 minutes while a fellow passenger on a Ural Airlines flight from Antalya, Turkey to Moscow used the air vent above her seat to dry a pair of underwear. 
I do not remember this one. Witnesses reported that the woman showed no shame and that everybody was looking with interest and confusion. Debate raged later, however, after video of the woman was posted online with one commenter speculating that maybe the takeoff was sort of extreme. So now she has to dry those. The New World Order, Taisei Corporation, a construction company based in Tokyo, announced in December 2017 that it would use autonomous drones called T-Friends to combat Kuroshi, or overwork death, reported the Independent. The drones hover over desks of employees who have stayed at work too long and blast Auld Lang Syne, a tune commonly used in Japanese shops getting ready to close. A company statement said it will encourage employees who are present at the drone patrol time to leave, not only to promote employee health, but also to conduct internal security management. Experts are skeptical. Scott North, professor of sociology at Osaka University, Scott North of Osaka, told the BBC that to cut overtime hours, it is necessary to reduce workload. I'd like I'd like everybody to go back and I want a year later update on all of these. Our next story of wait what IKEA because that's how you pronounce it, took advertising in a whole new direction with its print ad for a crib. The ad, which appeared in the Swedish magazine Amelia, invited women who think they might be pregnant to urinate on the paper to reveal a discounted price. Being on this ad may change your life, the ad read at the top of the page. If you are expecting, you'll get a surprise right here in the ad. Adweek reported that the agency behind the gimmick adapted pregnancy test technology to work on a magazine page. Meanwhile, police in Mainz, Germany responded to an apartment Mainz Mines? Mines probably responded to an apartment building after cries were heard from within one unit early on February 17th, the AP reported. When they arrived, officers found two men, the 58-year-old tenant and a 61-year-old visitor, hopefully locked up with a mannequin dressed as a knight and a large remote-controlled car. The men were too drunk to explain how they had become entangled, and one officer remarked that the whole thing would have remained a funny episode if the younger man had not become, quote, more than impolite, and now faces a charge of insulting officers. Oh my goodness. Right, that, that's a Monty Python skit. That's a Fry and Laurie skit. I also like that Apparently in Germany it's a crime to insult police officers, but the officer's like, he was just being slightly impolite. <laughs> Armed and frustrated, Linda Jean Fawn, 69, of Goodyear, Arizona, finally succumbed to a frustration that many wives suffer. On December 30th, 2017, as her husband sat on the toilet, she barged in and shot two bullets in the wall above his head to make him listen to me, she told Goodyear police when they were called to the scene. Fawn said her husband would have had to be 10 feet tall to have been hit by the bullets. ABC 15 and Phoenix reported, but officers estimated the bullets struck about 7 inches over the man's heads as she ducked. She was charged with aggravated assault. What was it all about? We want to know. News that sounds like a joke. In Turkmenistan's capital, Ashgabat, drivers of black cars faced high costs to repaint their cars white or silver after President Gurbanguly, oh boy, uh, the president banned black vehicles because he thinks the color white brings good luck. 
police began seizing dark-colored vehicles in late December 2017, and owners had to apply for permission to repaint and re-register them. The average wage in Ashgabat is about 300 a month, or 1,200 monats. Uh, one Turkman told Radio Free Europe that he was quoted 7,000 monats for a paint job, but was told the price would rise within a week to 11,000. Even if I don't spend any money anywhere, I will be forced to hand over pretty much my entire annual salary just to repaint, the unnamed man said, adding that his black car had already been impounded. <sighs> don't, you, don't you just love that kind of work. Just no words. If you've been wondering whatever happened to Barney the Dinosaur, the Daily Mail has an answer for you. David Joyner, 54, romped inside the Big Purple Suit for 10 years on the 1990s Barney and Friends show on PBS. Today, he's a tantric sex guru in Los Angeles who says he can unite a client's mind, body, and spirit through tantric massage and unprotected sex. Joyner credits his tantric training with helping him endure a 120-degree temperature inside the Barney suit. While surprised, Stephen White, former head writer on the show, says he sees Joyner's new vocation as the... I love you, you love me deal, but different. I don't judge or anything, but that's a side of David I didn't know. Do you think he still has the Barney voice when he does all that? Do you think, like, that's just his voice? Like, he wasn't changing it? That would make it weird. Compelling explanation. A woman claiming to be sent on a mission from God led a Kentucky State Police trooper on a chase at speeds up to 120 miles per hour on February 10th, stopping only when another trooper pulled in front of her car. According to Elizabethtown, Kentucky News Enterprise, Connie Lynn Allen, 52, of Goodlettsville, excuse me, Tennessee, told officers she was Mother Mary, en route to pick up baby Jesus, and that God had given her permission to speed. She also said that she had died six years ago, and she was charged with several offenses and is being held in Hardin County. Again, I want more to that story. You're, you're just teasing me, news. Hey, want to get away? Many citizens of the world are weary of the war and strife that seem to be consuming the news, and nearly 300,000 of them have already uh, signed up to put it all in the rearview mirror by becoming citizens of Asgardia. This coming soon colony on the moon is led by Igor Asher Bailey, a Russian engineer, computer scientist, and businessman who was inaugurated as its leader on June 25th in Vienna. Asgardia's parliament plans to set up space arcs with artificial gravity in the next 10 to 15 years, which is uh, 9 to 14 now, where it's projected 150 million citizens can live permanently. Reuters reported and Asher Bailey hopes settlement on the moon will be complete within 25 years, so 24 years. Asgardia is named after Asgard, a world in the sky in Norse mythology, and its leaders hope to attract a population from among the most creative in humanity, perhaps using IQ tests, according to Asher Bailey. And finally, you have to have one about Florida. And this one's, hey, it's Florida. Indian River County, Florida Sheriff's Officer stopped Earl Stevens Jr., 69, on June 27th after another driver called 911 complaining that Stevens' Mercury Grand Marquis kept tapping her bumper in McDonald's drive through lane. The officers noted a strong odor of alcoholic beverage emanating from his breath. His speech was slurred and his eyes were red and glossy. He also had an open bottle of Jim Beam bourbon in a brown paper bag on the passenger seat. Stevens of Vero Beach struggled to produce his ID and said he's never had a valid Florida driver's license according to Treasure Coast newspapers. Stevens argued that he hadn't been drinking while driving, but when the officer asked where he had been drinking, Stevens said, Stop signs. After failing several field sobriety tests and a breath test, Stevens was charged with driving under the influence and driving without a license. 
Let us all take a moment and raise a glass to 2018 as it goes screaming into the night. And uh, we'll hope that 2019 keeps us even more entertained, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Electric Leftovers. I thank you very much for listening, and I hope you had a nice time. As per usual, you can find all of the information about this show over at lowbiasgaming.net, where you can also listen to the old episodes, get the uh, playlists of the music heard on each, leave comments, and subscribe via your podcast software of choice. If you need one of them RSS links, it's over there. While you're there, you can check out all the videos for all the games we've ever talked about in this very podcast and see all of the other projects that all the other members have been working on. It's incredible. It's like a whole one-stop shop. Uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to throw a couple bucks into the old tip jar, you can do so, uh, of course. We have a Patreon set up at uh, patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a great day. We will see you again next week.
brought to you by... Bye. Bye.